I don't know how many of you had parents like um, I had growing up. They used to tell me, they used to quote this scripture to me all the time without telling me that it was in the Bible. Remember, Mike, you sow what you reap. You still need to hear that. You know, parents would say that to me before a test. You better study. Remember, you sow what you reap. Now, for a city kid growing up in New Orleans, those words of wisdom didn't make sense to a lot of us. That's a farming illustration. We didn't know much about farming, and my friends didn't. I think a more useful illustration for today might be, if you get a job, you'll have money to spend at the mall. You, you, you reap what you sow. Remember that. I mean, it's pretty simple. If, if you want to plant corn, you shouldn't scatter bean seeds. Some people see this statement, you know, you, you, you reap what you sow, with, with the Hindu understanding of karma. You know, if you do something good, something good will happen to you. Well... The idea of karma really has no place in the Bible or in the Christian's life. I mean, karma is nothing but selfishness disguised as service. I mean, in karma, we do good to others so that good will come to us. It's very selfish. That type of self-benefit isn't how the Bible tells us to live at all. Now, what Paul is, is addressing to the Galatians here is that who we are leads to what we do, and what we do leads to who we become. We reap what we sow. So think about it. If we, if we gossip about somebody, we shouldn't be surprised if we end up losing friends. If we don't get involved in a Bible study, we might be lonely. But if we attend worship, if we pray, if we read the Bible regularly then we'll grow closer to God. If we don't invest in the right activities, our relationship with God will suffer. So think about your life. How, how are you spending your time? When you get to the end of your life, what will people say about you? I mean, this morning, we, we honored those in our centenary family who have gone before us to heaven this past year. When we think back at their lives, they reaped what they sowed. The legacy of their lives were marked by how they lived their lives. The legacy of their lives were marked by the choices that they made every day. When I, was a, when I was in high school in Dallas, Texas, a kid in our neighborhood and, and in my school loved to play golf. That's all he did. He'd go to the driving range before school. He would go to golf practice after school. Then he would go to his personal golfing coach before he went home. Golf was his life. Everything he did was about golf. He's the one I shared with you that, that, that I invited him to church one day and he said, I don't go to church. Golf's my religion. He sowed golf. That's what he did. He sowed the seeds of golf in his life and what he reaped was that when he became an adult, he won a, a, a major tournament. 
He had very little life outside of golf, but he got what he wanted. I, on the other hand, I can't stand the driving range. It's boring. I just want to go play. Forget hitting balls into a... I'm going to go play. And that's why my clubs haven't left my bag in several years. I'm not ready to go play because I haven't sown the seeds of practice. We, we reap what we sow in our relationship with Christ. Even when it comes to Sunday mornings. Think about getting here. Do you prepare yourself for this hour of worship? Do you get yourself ready? Or do you just show up? I mean, how many of us are on our knees on Saturday nights praying for what will happen here on Sunday morning? I was in a church once, and there was a group of folks, men and women in the church, who would gather in the sanctuary on Saturday nights, and they would pray for the people that would come to worship. That God would do something in their lives. Do you prepare yourself for this? I mean, we can't be full of the world, all of that the world offers and then show up on Sunday and expect to grow spiritually. Sometimes I hear from folks, well, not very often, I didn't really get much out of that worship service. I'm not being spiritually fed. That hymn didn't speak to me at all. Why do I want to ever sing that song again? And what I want to say to them, but I don't, I just smile. Pastors have a smile that we take out of our pocket in moments like this. I just smile, but what I want to say to them is, have you prepared yourself for Sunday worship? Maybe you didn't get anything out of the worship service because your heart wasn't ready to worship God. Think about it. Are are our lives in continual preparation for worship? I mean, are we living lives in which we don't have to refocus ourselves to sit down and read the Bible? You know how you open your Bible, okay, I've just got to clear my mind of things before I can read. What if we were so living our lives that we could go from whatever we were doing to reading Scripture in a real formative way without any hesitation whatsoever? Sometimes I think people get frustrated when they try to pray because they can't focus I mean, think about it. When we have times of silence here in this worship service, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm thinking about all kinds of things. Is it too hot in here for people? Is this silence going too long? What am I going to have for lunch? Did I forget to turn off the coffee pot at home? I mean, it happens, doesn't it? Our minds are so cluttered with things. Our minds are spinning with all the details of life. God wants our minds to always be on him, no matter what we're doing. Listen, if there are things in your life that take your mind and your heart off of God, 
You need to ask yourself if those things are actually worth having in your life. Could they be more important than, than, than God in our lives? See, we, we, we study and we read the Bible not to improve ourselves, but so that we can improve the lives of other people. Don't you know that that's why you have a relationship with Jesus is so that you can encourage other people to have one? It's not just for yourself. We don't pray because we have to pray. We pray so we can intervene on behalf of someone else who has a need. That's why we pray. It's selflessness. That's what the Christian life is. Paul says in verse 7 of our, of our text, you can't ignore God and get away with it. Other translations say you can't make a mockery of God by living as the world tells you and then expect God to bless you. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? So many of us want to live however we want to live and then say, God bless me. It doesn't work that way. God honors those who are faithful to him. We reap what we sow. And like individuals, churches, I think, will reap what we sow. So what are we sowing here at Centenary? Are we sowing committee meetings, administrative procedures? If we sow these things, that's what we're going to harvest It's like, hey, what did your meeting accomplish? We produced an adjourned meeting. Ever been to meetings like that? What did we accomplish? Well, we met. I mean, how sad would it be for a church's greatest ministry and the greatest use of time for the members of that church to say, we are known for our effective meetings. I was with a group of pastors this week, and one of them was lamenting that he's at this congregation, and they are so proud at how they do meetings. Pastor, you're new here, but you're not going to find another church that does meetings the way we do. Great. So excited to be here. I mean, isn't it, isn't it better for us to be engaged in ministry rather than talking about being engaged in ministry. I mean, Jesus commands us to make disciples. He doesn't encourage us. He doesn't suggest that we might want to think about doing that. He commands us, make disciples. If Centenary wants to be a disciple-making center, how do we get there? I think it begins with each person sowing Jesus in their hearts. And that extends to the church. When, and then that extends to the community. When each person in this congregation is growing, when Christ is growing in their hearts, that's going to extend to the greater church. And then that greater church is going to have an influence on the community around us. Our missionaries in Thailand, uh, Chris and Dora Barbie, 
are surrounded by a Buddhist culture. Not a Buddhist religion, but a Buddhist culture. That's, that's where they are. And adults don't typically leave that Buddhist religion to embrace Christ because they're being, they're being Buddhist as part of their identity. It's part of their heritage. So in order to transform that culture for Jesus, what the Barbies and others are doing is that they're focusing on sharing Christ with the children of Thailand. Because if the children can grow up seeing themselves as Christians, an entire generation can be transformed. whole culture can be changed. It's going to take a whole generation, but that's what they're trying to do. We have a similar problem here in America. We have many adults who are followers of the religion of themselves. They're going to live life their way, by their rules, because they know best. That's what we see in America today. I believe the future of historic Christian faith in this country, and really in the world, is in our children. Connect them with Christ, and an entire generation can be transformed. Think about this. If centenary sows plants, life transformational ministries to children and youth, we're going to reap a generation committed to Jesus. Think about that. That's why my expectations for our children and youth ministries are so very high. That's why the spiritual development of our children and youth is such a priority to me. And that's why next summer, Yes, you heard me right. Next summer, I'm already, we're already planning that far in advance. Our children's team is leading Centenary in a week-long event for children that this city of first has never seen. And it's coming here. And children are going to come to faith in Christ. And it's going to be amazing. And we're a part of it. See, these instructions from Paul to the churches in this southern region of of Galatia are tough. This is tough. But these instructions from Paul are important if we want to grow into the people that God wants us to be. One way that we grow into being that congregation that God wants us to be is by sharing the Lord's Supper together. This is something that we do that brings us together as a church family. That reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. It also reminds us of the presence of Christ right here, right now. Yeah, the Lord's Supper is an important way for how we grow spiritually as individuals and as a church so that we can produce a harvest of new believers. If we sow or plant holiness in our lives, we're going to reap holiness. And not only for us, but for the lives of other people. I'm going to close with this thought. When the seeds that you plant in your heart today begin to sprout tomorrow, What will they be? 
when those things that you bring into your life and you plant them, what are they going to grow into? It all depends on what it is we allow into our lives, doesn't it? It could be selfishness. It could be Bible reading. It could be anything. Only you know the answer to that question. What's going to sprout in your heart tomorrow? It all depends on what we do today. And that's the same for every day in our lives. Think about that. Maybe God will give you that answer, not right now. Maybe it'll be later. But ponder that. Let's pray.